Let me read this scripture passage one more time. And, um, you know, I want us to look at this. I've read this so many times this week. I'm just getting re-inspired by these verses. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Lord, you have some fresh new ideas and, uh, to instruct us by your Spirit, and I pray we'll listen to them. And they encourage us. Lord, encourage us this morning, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stick with that passage for a minute. I had planned on going to something else, but I'm kind of an extemporaneous person, and I want to stick with that a little minute. I love that phrase, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I think that would be the ultimate epitaph on a tombstone. I don't think we can put it on there. That's not for us to do. But to have it, to be known as God was not ashamed to be His God. What, 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 a, what a goal to aim for. I mean, and, and I like that goal because it is flexible. That is, for all of us, there are different patterns, different ways of getting there. What we're supposed to do that God is not ashamed of us, it's not identical to everybody. He has a calling for us. Uh, I like that. I, 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 like you maybe, but as a writer, I wander through... Uh, um, you know, I, I wander, wander through cemeteries a lot, and I read old headstones a lot you know, when I travel. One of the things that I do when I research is to go to the cemetery, and, and you can tell individual things about people, but you can tell, you know, you go through the Deadwood Cemetery up on Mount Moriah, and you can tell when that fever hit town and all the little children died, because there's a children's section, and there they are, one after another. So you get a little bit of the history by reading those things, and uh, you know, the classic epitaph down in the west is down in tombstone where they have that epitaph under this stone lies lester moore shot by six slugs from a 44 no less no more i was wandering through a cemetery in in, in uh, carson city nevada in the old section of town and there was one kind of i don't know what you call a monument but it's it was about it was bigger than this post but it was the only real tall monolithic looking marker in the old part of the cemetery. So, you know, you're kind of attracted to it because well, who was it that got this big thing? And it was all about the courtesan of Captain James McGregor who died. Right there on the stone. Oh, his girlfriend. Oh, well, you can learn a lot. But the epitaph that, that we want from the heavenly point of view is right here. The, God is not ashamed to be called a God. So I, I was looking at that as we read through that one more time. And I was looking at it and thinking, uh, there are some things there that are still true for you and me. Look at these people. Look at those verses. They were faithful to the end. These people were still living by faith when they died. I just like that phrase. They finished right out to the end. I once gave a talk, and I often give a talk to men's groups about being a straight shooter and what that means. And I, I lead off with a line, all the straight shooters are dead. Because, see, you don't achieve that 
until you have remained faithful right out to the end. You know, you, you, you don't get that accolade until you have been faithful to the very, until you finished the race. I remember in something that's always pushed me a bit, I remember reading Solzhenitsyn and uh, one of the things he talked about was the 85% job. I don't know if business people use his principle or not, but they should. Uh, Solzhenitsyn said, for most of us, we set a goal of what we want to accomplish. It can be a spiritual goal. It can be a physical goal. We set a goal. And if we come within 85% of it, we're pretty happy. And we usually stop someplace around there. And he, was t he talks about the final inch, how we have to push on to reach the goal, not 85% of the way, not 90% of the way, not 95% of the way, but all the way to the goal. And I think about that in our Christian life too. Our goal is faithfulness, living by faith to the very end. And here are people, people who got this accolade of being people who God was not ashamed to be called their God. They lived by faith till the very end. When they died, they were living by faith. They believe God is who He says He is. They believe God is doing what He says He's doing. They believe God will do in the future what He says He will do in the future. They live by faith right out to the end. Here's the second thing that passage says. Their faithfulness did not depend well, I put down here on God's bribery. Maybe that's a strong term. Maybe I could say their faithfulness did not depend on God's provision. Notice what it says. They did not receive the things promised. Does that strike you? Or does, you does that grab you when you read that? God made promises. They didn't get it. They didn't get all that stuff that was promised. But it didn't matter. They were faithful to the end. Their, their promises were going to be fulfilled, of course but it was going to be after death. They didn't receive the things that were promised. They knew how to wait for the promises of God, but it didn't depend upon His answer whether they were going to remain faithful or not. That's why I sometimes call that bribery. I mean, we almost have a system, Lord, I'll be faithful to you now, now I need this and I need this and I need that. And I'm reminded of the three that, that looked down into that fiery furnace. You know, and they were challenged by the king, you know, can your God save you? And they replied, that's not the point. Whether we get saved out of the fire or we don't get saved, God is faithful. And whether the promises come to us now or the promises come to us later, that's not the point. God is faithful and I'm going to be faithful to him. They knew how to wait for the promises of God. In your lifetime and in my lifetime, we will not receive everything promised. You know what is a joy and a delight I want to share with you? Some of you uh, have been praying for your loved ones. It might be your children or grandchildren. But it might just be neighbors, friends, nieces, nephews. You've been praying for some unsaved people that are close to you and you love dearly. And you very well feel like the Lord said He's going to take care of them. And you have been waiting. You've been praying for years. And you've been waiting to see that change, that conversion. And some of you are going to go to heaven and never have seen it. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You might not see it. They had some promises and they, they never got to experience them. But the promises are still true whether they get to see them with their eyes on this earth or not. 
I like that. That's inspiring to me. It doesn't depend upon whether I see the answer or not. Now, third, it says they rejoiced at promises that were yet to be fulfilled. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Hmm. What's up ahead for you and me? Well, we see some promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Every time I stand at the graveside and do a funeral service and I see a grieving family, I'm reminded there is going to be a time when death is no more. I haven't seen it yet here, but I see it at a distance. And there's going to be a time when death is no more. Death is so unnatural that life should end. We're created in the image of God, and, and God is eternal. And it, it's unnatural to stand at that graveside and say, this is it, it's over, it's finished. Even the uh, most ardent atheist can't quite take it, say that life is over. But there'll be a time when death is no more. There'll be a time when sin has been destroyed. Boy, it's not there yet. We don't have to look very far. You know, all we have to do is be in our prayer closet and look in at ourselves, and we know sin is still here. And then we can peek out at the world, and we're, sin is still here. It's all over. And sometimes it's more evident, more horrible. I don't know if it's more horrible, but we have uh, the ability to transmit news instantaneously around the world. So we can see every public scene in the world instantly in front of us. Oh, but there's going to be a day, you know, maybe it's just uh, daylight breaking at a distance, but there's going to be a day coming when sin is no more. No more in my life. That's going to be the greatest joy. But no more in the world. But it's up there. We haven't seen it yet. There's going to be a day coming when Satan is cast into hell. <laughs> you know how we have such misconceptions? Misconceptions about hell. The world has this view of hell, if they, even in the humor. But they have this view of hell that Satan is in control of hell. Don't you see that view? Satan isn't in control of hell. He's thrown into hell. Who created that abyss? Who created that lake of fire? It's God who created it, and God is in control. <laughs> and Satan has no power there, I tell you. And the day is coming when he's gone. He's been on this earth for way too long. And the day will come when he's gone. But it's not here yet. And the day is coming when you and I get to be with Jesus forever. Oh, I love all those good old Southern Gospel songs about the first day in heaven. And, uh, you know, when I get there, I just want to see Jesus. You know, and the day is going to come. When little kids ask me about heaven, it's kind of hard to describe since it goes beyond our vocabulary. We don't really have good terms to describe heaven. But I like the few terms that we do have, like in John chapter 14, where we find out it's Jesus' home. I like the word home. I think everybody knows what it's like to feel at home. I mean, every home's different, but we know what that's like. You like coming to Maranatha, and you like the summer program, and you like vacations, and you like travel. <sighs> but it's nice to get home. So we find out in John chapter 14 that heaven is Jesus' home. I mean, as beautiful as earth was, this wasn't his home. He went home. 
Oh, but he says in John chapter 14 that he's going to get it all ready so that when we get there, we'll feel at home. He's getting it ready for us. So it's not going to be a strange place. I don't know how traveling is, but uh, last summer, uh, Janet and I and my sister Judy and her husband Bill went to uh, England and Scotland. That was the first time I'd been there. And, uh, you know, I, it was different. I was kind of wondering what it's going to be like, and, and there were different experiences that I had. Uh, and uh, no matter whether I liked it or didn't like it, it, it wasn't home, but it was, it was nice. But when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like visiting a strange country. <laughs> oh, we're going to feel at home. It's going to feel so good. Finally, our spirit is at home. But that's up there in the distance. That's not here now. We only get to see that a little bit. What did it say about them? It says they, they welcomed it from a distance. And then here's what it says. They admitted they were aliens and strangers on this earth. They just didn't fit in. They admitted it. You and I sometimes realize that we're strangers and aliens on this earth. We don't always admit that we are. In fact, a lot of us spend a lot of our life trying to fit in to things. We, we want to fit in. We want to understand where everybody's coming from. We, we don't want to rock the boat. We want to go along with things. The truth of the matter is we don't fit in. We don't think like the world thinks. We don't act like the world acts. We're just pilgrims on the trail, like going west on the Oregon Trail. There's a destination up ahead. We've left something behind. We're on the trail. But it's, it's not home. And we park one place for a while, but spiritually we're still on the trail. We're going somewhere. And it's okay for us to say out loud, this world is not my home. This isn't the way I want it to be. This isn't the way I think. I don't even know the language sometimes. They were people who admitted it was not their home. And then it says they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They were anxious to get to heaven. I think it's okay to be anxious to get to heaven. Sometimes we think of that as an excuse or uh, an escape, but I don't think it is. When I say an excuse or escape, we all had times from the time we took a first serious test in school on where we were hoping the Lord would come back real quick. So whatever it is we wouldn't have to face, we, we could bypass that. But we need that longing, that longing. It's okay to long for heaven. It's okay to want to get out of this earthly body there with all the aches and pains that it has. It's okay to want to get out of the... Uh, sin-plagued world. It's okay to, to look forward to that. Sometimes I hear people com complain about Christianity. They say, well, it's just a pie-in-the-sky religion. And I say, you bet it is. And that pie is going to be sweet. And I'm going to have lots of it. How about you? We can survive now because we know where we're headed. I mean, we know what's up ahead. So it seems to me these are special people here in Hebrews chapter 11. People that God's not ashamed to be the call of God. I suppose sometimes it uh, strikes me too with what is not in this passage. We don't have a lot of description of, uh, we don't have any idea of what they look like, these people that God's not ashamed of. We don't know how tall they were or how slim they were or, you know, or whether they ate good healthy food or not. 
We don't know what their daily habits were like. We don't know what kind of clothing they wore. We don't even know their theological position on lots of major Old Testament doctrine. We just know God isn't ashamed of them. Maybe that's all we need to know. So, the pressure for us is, what, what about us? I wonder if God up in heaven today is... I wonder if he's got a list. He doesn't need lists because he can keep it all in his mind, unlike you and me, but... You know, does he have the ashamed and the not ashamed list? No. But these guys not ashamed of, so they must be on, on one side at least. And then, oh, then the tough part is saying, where am I on that list? Where am I? Where are you? What kind of epitaph is God writing for your tombstone? Let's pray. Father, one of the joys and delights of getting away to retreat is uh, to think some serious thoughts. We enjoy the beauty of this location, and we enjoy the fun and the family and the friends. But Lord, uh, there are times for us just to ponder a little bit, to think through what you're saying to our hearts. And Lord, we don't want you to be ashamed of us. But sometimes we don't think real seriously about all that we do and say. Father, we understand your gospel. We understand what Jesus has done for us. We understand the cross. We understand that salvation comes as a free gift because of Jesus' blood shed for us. But Lord, basking in your salvation, we want to please you. We want you to be able to look down and say, those are my boys, those are my girls. I'm not ashamed of them. But Lord, I'd ask that you be gentle with us because if you were to show us in one glimpse everything that displeases you, it might be too much for us. So Lord, show us one thing at a time. One thing that on this day and this week we can work on and get in shape. It might be a a sin that we have to discard. It might be a relationship we have to mend. It might be a failure we have to confess. It might be wisdom we have to seek. But whatever it is, Lord, reveal that one thing that we might deal with it and be ready for the next. Because, Lord, we are looking forward to life forever with Jesus. And we want to be there and not make you ashamed. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.